Hi, this is James here from Startup 42, and we're back again with another Founder Insight in partnership with Tech Barbecue. This time with Sophie from Hive Online. Sophie, thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure. I mean, it's great to see one of the, uh, the mainstays of the, the, the Danish startup scene still alive and kicking after all this <laughs> period. Um, but let's just jump right into it. Sophie, can you quickly share with the listeners that don't know who you are already, of course, a, a quick overview of Hive Online for us? Yes, of course. Um, so hi, everyone. I'm Sophie Blackstad, I'm CEO of Hive Online. Um, we're a distributed community finance tra- platform that digitizes trust. Um, and we're actively supporting communities of unbanked um, entrepreneurs in sub-Saharan Africa, um, in Niger, in West Africa, and also in Mozambique, in, in East Africa. Um, we work almost exclusively with groups of people, um, so communities who come together either in savings groups um, or in cooperatives and farmers associations. Um, and we use blockchain so that communities can build wealth without needing um, a bank account necessarily. Um, and we also build a digital reputation based on their behaviours. So even people who don't have access to financial services or formal identity um, can demonstrate that they're reliable and get access to, to the formal financial system for credit um, to build their businesses. Um, we also do a fair amount of research. Uh, we're currently doing a piece of research on behalf of the Red Cross into humanitarian blockchain. Um, and we've just started a new piece of research for the UN's Digital Finance Task Force about the impact of big fintechs on the sustainable development goals. Fantastic. Well, you certainly have been busy, haven't you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, so going back to it, it, it and, and the core of Hive Online is the blockchain element of, of being able to making sure that you can use blockchain for impact, for one, I can see on the board behind you. But secondly, <laughs> it's, it's making sure that, um, that those that don't have access are able to get access. Yes, that's right. So, so blockchain has many useful qualities. Um, one is that it creates these indelible records so that um, our customers, but more importantly, the financial institutions that they want to work with, um, don't have to trust us. They don't have to believe us because the record is, is written to the blockchain and so that they can see an event has actually happened. Um, and that may be a transaction or it may be as simple as somebody turning up to a meeting and voting. Um, but either way, we have no control over that record. It's, it, once it's on the blockchain, it's just there and we can't overwrite it. So, so that's an important element from a trust perspective. Um, but it also means that from a store of value perspective, um, you don't need a bank account um, or a, a mobile money account um, to create a wallet and to, to store value in it. Um, so where we're integrated with, um, with the formal financial system, um, we can enable people to have their own it's effectively like a mini trust account or a mini bank account um, without actually needing a bank account at all. And that's a big thing, right? You know, I, you know, mobile pay was, I would say, pioneered um, within Africa and, and seeing in prevalent use um, and PESA and, and, and all these others. But by not needing to have an account, um or connected to that you're able then to also then look to see how you can deal with cash so to such yeah that's right um now at the moment our model mostly supports people just saving cash and accounting for it but with the with the integration of the formal financial system um then we can actually offer peer-to-peer payments and of course this this ability to store value in your own account um, so, yes, that is a, a really transformational thing, especially in, in Africa, where 66% of people don't have bank accounts. 
That's um, an amazing and, number. Sorry to yeah. interrupt there. <laughs> well, uh, in Niger, only 7% of people have bank accounts. Um, and then in 7%. 7%, yeah. So it's, it, it, you know, in countries like that, the, the banking system is, especially in rural areas, it's, it's largely irrelevant. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very much a cash society, which, you know, which is quite risky um, when there are, um, you know, that's a vulnerable country with a lot of conflict um, and, and moving around with money is just very dangerous and expensive. Um, so digital cash offers huge opportunities really beyond just the convenience that we expect in, in Denmark and other, other northern countries. Um, in many cases, it actually is, it's, it's more of a security thing for, for the customers. Um, so, yes. Um, and the other thing is that these communities find it very hard to save um, because uh, savings usually requires you putting money in a bank account somewhere safe. Um, and of course, if you've got cash flying around the house, um, somebody usually spends it. Um, so that yeah. again is, is an important consideration. Um, the ability to save has been really transformed by village savings groups, which are um, you know quite big across Africa. We reckon there's probably about 50 million of them. Sorry, 50 million members across Africa. Um, but wow. again, their savings are in cash, uh, which is a step up from not being able to save at all. Um, but it, it still means that they have no digital transactions and no, no digital record to use as a credit history. And no way to verify those payments going in and out as uh, such, exactly. apart from the, the, the trust of whoever is Yeah, exactly. And they, and they have very strong social bonds in these groups, which is great. Um, but one of, the, one of the key challenges they actually have is a, a very low level of, of functional and numerical literacy. So, you know, their confidence in their ability to do sums is quite low. Um, because in most cases, the women especially just haven't been to school. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. not because they're stupid, it's just because they haven't been educated. Um, so in many cases, they, they're not confident in, in doing, you know, fractional lending, for example. So any loan given has to be paid back in one lump. Um, so having a digital platform that even does basic accounting is, is a huge step forward for them. Wow. So it's really empowering at the same time then um not only on, on the, the security side but but for these that that didn't have the ability to, to do anything like this beforehand um yes. and changing the way that they've also done things for such a long time yeah and, and one thing we've observed in these groups um and one of the reasons we started working with larger more commercial groups like cooperatives is that in savings groups people are coming together mostly women um and performing commercial activities like um, making food products or um, or cosmetics or clothing um, and in their groups they are, they are acting as a mini commercial unit as a business um, as well as as individual entrepreneurs um, so something that we we do on our platform which I, I think is differentiates us from other savings group platforms is that we we offer facilities for commercial activity um, so that they can right. um, you know buy and sell as a group as well as um, as individuals and, and that, I think for me, that's one of the really empowering things about these groups is that they're, you know, they're mostly women, they're coming together, they're getting shit done and they are making money as a, as a group, which mm-hmm. you know, is <laughs> empowering. Um, yeah. and, and they're creating employment, which, which again is, is really important in countries where there's a lot of conflict. Um, because if you're a, a young man or, you know, a teenager, um, looking at, at very few employment options, then going off and joining a terrorist group looks like a very attractive thing to do. 
Yes. And that's on the other side of things, you know, so I, I think we get to go back from that a little bit. I mean, yeah, sure. usually when I ask startups, what have you been up to and, and how has this pandemic, for example, been affecting you? Um, it's from a very European view, a uh, very Western view. Um, one thing that I've been dying to ask you is like, how has this been affecting you? as such because you're not all based here in denmark you're spotted around the globe as well, well that's right so i mean we have a team in in stockholm um and in fact my coo who is in stockholm has had covid as a result of not being locked down um so no, <laughs> no comments there um yes, the, the team, <laughs> but the team in kigali um in in rwanda has has really been quite severely affected because of course, African countries are used to dealing with epidemics um, and they, they deal with them very, very um, carefully, partly because um, they've got a lot of experience, but also because their mm-hmm. healthcare system is, is just not able to take the strain. Um, so the guys in Kigali have, have just had an escalation of lockdown and they now have, a, as well as um, having to stay at home, they have a, a seven o'clock curfew. Um, so it, it is you know, severely constraining their movement. Um, mm-hmm. especially my, my lead developer who likes to go for his runs. Um, so yeah, About 7.15, is that? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's going in the mornings now. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's had a different impact on, you know, in different countries. I mean, obviously here in, in Denmark, we've, we've had it relatively easy. Um, but Africa, as I say, they, you know, they react very, very quickly to, to any kind of epidemic. And I have to say, as a result, they deal with it pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, but that obviously has a very big impact on people's personal lives. Uh, so, you know, you haven't been able to, to travel around and visit the teams as you would have done, certainly in 2019. How has that affected team dynamic, if at all, going well, digitally? That's a really interesting question because, I mean, we do try and get together as a whole team several times a year normally, um, although we've never actually all been in the same room together. Um, one day that will <laughs> Never ever. <laughs> um, so, I mean, from a team perspective, we, we operate normally digitally anyway, because we are in lots of different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so our day-to-day interaction and the rhythm of our agile sprints, we run the whole business in agile sprints every two weeks. That hasn't changed at all. Um, I think the real difference has been our ability to, to interact with our customers. Um, because actually normally I would be traveling to the countries where we're implementing more than um, having team workshops. So, so that, mm-hmm. that level of travel has been severely impacted. Um, and, you know, we're very lucky in, in Mozambique. Um, we're working with the Association for the Modernization of Cooperatives, who are absolutely brilliant and have been going out and doing all of the interactions we would normally do with social distancing, with masks, um, with the farmers that, that we're supporting. Um, so I think we've been very, very lucky to, to have been working with them at the point where, where we're in this development cycle, because it's very difficult to interact with customers who, first of all, are, are not very technically literate, are usually functionally literate, and secondly, don't necessarily speak the languages that we speak um, mm. if you're not actually physically there. And, and talking about your customers for a second then, how has that affected, apart from not being able to see them, and have you been able to, to win business in, in, in the same way that you've done before? Not the same way, but in the same rate, rate or has it been, of course, affected by it like everyone else? 
So there's, there's been sort of yes and no, plus and downsides. Um, <clears throat> on the one hand, the demand for digital financial solutions in Africa has skyrocketed. I mean, it's wow. it's accelerated between th- between three and five years, we reckon, um, because the, because of the need for social distancing, because um, you know, if, if you're a cash economy where everything is done hand to hand, and you suddenly can't do that because you can't be within a meter of each other. Digital mm-hmm. financial solutions are much more attractive. Um, these countries already have some digital financial solutions, although the countries we're in are less developed, so tend not to be as sort of M-Pesa heavy as someone like Kenya is. Yeah. Um, and but it's it's socially acceptable, it's culturally acceptable, and it's obviously it's it's a good time for us from that perspective. It also means that groups can meet virtually which is quite an important point from, from our perspective because it, main, it, it enables these groups to maintain their social bonds um, and to, to build their financial resilience without necessarily being all, all together all at the same time. Um, so on that side, it's been really great. Um, on the downside, um, we rely on funding from NGOs um, to, to build out the platform. Mm-hmm. And and for the last six months, most of that funding has been diverted, for obvious reasons, to immediate healthcare and and social issues. Um, mm-hmm. But what we are now seeing is a huge influx of projects: um, Nigeria, Kenya, Zambia, and elsewhere, um, <clears throat> starting to address the the financial resilience issue, um, where obviously these countries are severely impacted um, by a number of of macroeconomic factors. So, for example, um, the reduction in diaspora remittances, um, which has taken about a billion dollars out of Kenya's um, regular economy. Um, you know, the, the, the collapse of Kenya's flower industry, which has taken another billion out. The mm-hmm. collapse of tourism, 17% of Rwanda's economy is tourism. Um, so all of these factors have severely impacted all of these economies, which means that there is even more need for solutions like ours, which can be right. used to distribute yeah. aid as well as, um, as, w- as well as for community finance. Wow. So, you know, so that's putting on a completely different lens and a more of a global view of how things are and how, how the effect has, has been moving forward and looking at Hive Online as an organization. How, how you know, have you been doing anything in, in the back end in the last 12 months that you've been really proud of? And you can say, this is something that we stand for and, and are looking forward to, to pushing more for. Yeah. I mean, I think our, our move into community, sorry, into, um, into cooperatives is, is a really big step for us. Um, it, it enables us to help farmers to, um, to, to farm more sustainably, to, um, to, to increase their yields while farming more sustainably um, and also to work more together as as, as a collective, um, and for me, I mean, that, that, you know, it was always our goal to to help small businesses be more successful, and we're really starting to see that happen. Um, I mean, I th- I think the you know when I when I witness individual customers and groups of customers ad- adopting the technology who have never used technology before, or who've never used this kind of technology before, that's always. Um, you know, it's it's like being told your baby is beautiful. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but um, I mean, for us, you know, the the fact that we're now, um, I mean, we we have been for a couple of years, but that we are now really deeply engaged in the global dialogue on um, the direction of blockchain and and fintech regulation and policy. 
um, and that we're being engaged by by global bodies like the United Nations. Um, it, th that for me is it's, it's a moment of pride because um, I feel that you know despite the, um, the slightly weird makeup of our of our business and the fact that we don't look like the typical fintech that um, <laughs> you know the, the depth of experience we have is being recognised and that, that that makes me very proud. Fantastic. So it seems like you guys are certainly on the right track. Um, and, and, you know, you must also be very proud that you've developed a, an organization that was resilient to, to being well, pandemic proof as such and beforehand by the makeup of the team of being international and being and working remotely. So you haven't needed to, to kind of jump onto this um, need to, to, to go to Zoom and, and facilitate things like that. Yeah, we didn't really have to pivot at all because um, <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of doing this stuff already. Um, yeah. I mean, the, th the thing that I'm really proud about in the team, though, is that, um, you know, we're, we're a blockchain startup, but we are, um, you know, from a team of 10, six of us are women, um, half of us are Africans. Um, and it just goes to show that you can do fintech and deep tech and diversity at the same time. And, you know, if, if I'd like to give out one message, it's that, you know, this isn't just an option you know I've chosen everyone on my team because they are the best people um, but the best people come in all shapes and sizes and all different colors fantastic and I think that that is a great uh, mantra to, to to end with as well um, well Sophie I'm so glad that we managed to catch up today um, it sounds like you guys and girls are on to some amazing things um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, the rest of 2020 brings for you so thanks, thanks for much. joining us here today. And uh, yeah, we look forward to catching up with you very soon again. Yeah, I look forward to that too, James. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks. Cheers.